What's going on, folks? It is 2020. First time I said that, sounded super weird and <laughs> almost felt like I was saying it wrong, but it is 2020 and we are back for another podcast. How are you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing great. Our first podcast of the year. We haven't talked for a couple of weeks and we've got a lot of catching up to do and stuff to talk about. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Just to give you guys a little bit of spoilers of what we're going to have coming in the podcast. Um, we got some bands to talk about, some duck bands. Um, we got Elliot's trip out to Cypress Crossing. Um, his epic trip trip out to a hunting lodge. Um, we got some boat issues, and we're going to talk about our year in review, as well as have a phone guest call-in, first one ever, um, trying that out with our new system setup. So that's a lot to get in. So we better uh, go ahead and jump right into into the, the podcast. So before we do that, though, let's give a big thanks to our partners. Um, first off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to Boss Shot Shell. Um, Elliot and I both have been loving those. Uh, shooting the two and three quarter inch fours and the fives, two and three quarter as well for ducks. And let me tell you, um, <laughs> I've been putting some the smack down on geese with it a lot here recently. Those number fours, two and three quarter, um, just really been putting a hurting on them. So, uh, not enough good things we can say about them. American made company, um, high density shells. You guys have heard this a lot and, and we can, you guys can see it in the videos uh, that we put out every week. So, um, big thanks out to boss shot shell. A partner of ours is HTR innovations and another company that is American made, um, product code is duck space gun with a capital d and g for 10 percent off and free shipping and actually jordan i don't th- i don't think you probably know this obviously because i haven't talked to you but we're packed up for tomorrow's hunt and right now i've got three hdr products ready to go in my truck i've got the a-frame i've got the layout pad inside of the uh, layout boats and i've got the gun stand so man this these products at hdr go on over to hdr innovations look at these products because these are things that you're going to want to have in your arsenal of supplies to stay flexible. And I mean, they're just great products. Awesome. Also, we'd like to give a big thanks out to Gunner Kennels, another American made company. Um, it's great to have these American made companies on board with us. Um, nothing like supporting companies and having companies that support us that have great American values. Um, and Gunner Kennels is the Cadillac the tank, the um, <laughs> the best way to get man's best friend from point A to point B. Um, you're going to have peace of mind when you have a gunner kennel because you know that your hunting companion um, is going to be safe and sound riding in the back. And they have lots of testimonials, lots of stories where people have been in accidents and their, their system is five-star crash test rated. Um, and there's not other companies that can say that. So um, definitely the best way to keep your hunting companion um, safe. And I want to talk about Motion Ducks Decoy Spreader. At this point, I have had a chance to use this product for almost a full season. And I can say I've used this jerk rig system more this year than I've ever used any other jerk rig. Um, I've always been frustrated with how the jerk rig system works. And it's just been a pain in the butt. But you like Motion four or seven duck decoy spreader system. It's extremely mobile 
And instead of having your ducks in a line, it actually has, makes them look like they're flying in a flock. So if a traditional jerk rig is something that's always kind of gotten on your nerves, difficult to set up, takes a long time, and, and it just always seems like a headache to you, go check out Motion Ducks. Um, duck gun, all caps, no space for that 10% off discount, and you will love this product. Awesome. And uh, last but not least, we got Bandit Avery Greenhead gear. Um, big fans of those those guys and everything they got going on, um, and we're super excited that we are partnered with them. Um, just going to highlight um, some of the gear that I've been using from them, and with a lot of the water goose hunt um, I've been on, I've been using the Pro Grade Goose Floaters. Um, you know, super lifelike uh, geese decoys, and you know, um, another another great product they got is. Um, what, what's the, what's the name of the backpack again, Elliot? It's uh, something hard shell. Yeah. The hard shell backpack. Um, it's a blind, blind bag, but it's, I mean, it's like a blind bag on steroids. You can wear it as a backpack. Um, it's got a big compartment in the bottom and one at the top and just compartments all over it. Um, I've never been able to carry so much gear, especially with bringing our cameras out there and, um, you know, dog gears as well as like his collar, his remote, all that calls, shells, um, everything. I mean, there's just so much room in there. I've never taken <laughs> or been able to take so much stuff out with me on a hunt. And I've really became, um, somewhat of a gearhead. uh, you know, just really being able to take out so much of my duck hunting gear with me every time. So definitely check those guys out. They got some stellar products over there. Um, and we're just super happy to have them on board. Um, but so real quick question about that backpack, cause I've got it too, but you've used it a lot more than I have. Because I, I have got a waterproof backpack, a fully a bigger waterproof backpack of theirs that I use. Um, but I did, I used when I went out to Arkansas at Cypress Crossings, I used the hard shell and I really liked it and everything. Um, is it, how, how waterproof is that? Have you gotten it yeah. tested out the water? I mean, I've, I've used it in the rain. It's not going to get like, it's not going to fill up with water from rain or anything like that. But I've also dropped it in the water. If you drop it in the water, um, well, I'm not sure if it was zipped up or not, so <laughs> that's hard to say. I'm not, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I know when I dropped it in the, <laughs> I'm not sure if it was open or not, so I can't tell you for sure, but when it, when I dropped it that time, I didn't realize it was in the water. It was sitting in the water, and um, it filled up. I mean, the zippers aren't waterproof, so if you submerge it, those zippers are going to leak water. It's not like waterproof zippers, but it is water-resistant, and the bottom is waterproof, so if you set it down in water in like two inches of water, inch and a half, mm -hmm. Um, it's not going to fill up with water because the bottom has that hard shell on the bottom that's going to prevent it from getting um, water in it. So I think that's the big thing. It's not like made out of waterproof material or waterproof zippers. Yeah. It's water resistant. So you're good in snow and rain and that kind of stuff, but you ain't going to be like... Yeah, I was out in a rain hunt and didn't have <laughs> any issues at all. I have not submerged it, but um, it's a sweet pack for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but last but not least, I guess I already said that once. But uh, <laughs> we'd like to thank you guys, the viewers, the listeners, for tuning in and uh, supporting us week in and week out. Um, this community and the, the podcast or YouTube channels would be nothing without you guys um, and the awesome community you guys came together and helped us create. So um, we'd like to thank you guys in the new year for supporting us week in and week out. Um, but I think right now is probably a good time to go ahead and jump right into the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. 
and shooting limits, well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining us for another episode of Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host, as always, the Graybeard, the Duck Tater, the man of many names. How you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing great. Just got back from Cyprus Crossing in Arkansas, and I can't wait to tell you all about this trip down there. Really kind of a trip of a lifetime um, for me. I've never done anything like going to a hunting lodge and be guided for three days by Joel Strickland, who's the creator of um, Survivor. And it was for sure. Can't yep. wait to talk about it. Awesome. And you cut out there a second for a quick second there, but um, I believe what you're saying is that he's the creator of Surviving Duck Season. I don't want to leave that out. So, um, yeah, definitely pretty cool to, to follow along with uh, Instagram stories, and I can't wait to you know hear all about that. Um, I guess. So, so was that, was I putting out too many Instagram stories or not enough? Oh, definitely not enough, man. <laughs> okay. No, I'm I just kidding. Like I've done it all the time. Oh yeah, you. I mean, you did good on the stories. I'm just giving you a little bit of a hard time. I mean, let's just think about. I think it was two years ago when uh, uh, I had to show you how to put out an Instagram story. <laughs> now, and so yeah. <laughs> I think we're uh, on on the right path with the Instagram stories. So, um, you know, that's probably right about how many you should do. Yeah, it's just like uh, recording with the phone, recording with the cameras, doing Instagram stories, taking pictures for thumbnails, taking pictures for Instagram. <laughs> it becomes a little overwhelming. Yep. Yep. No, I hear you. <laughs> but yeah, let's go ahead. I guess let's go ahead and just start there. It should be a, a good place to start. So. Okay. I'm going to go through the whole trip then and just kind of give you my impressions and feedback. And then you ask any questions. Um, stop me at any point. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. So um, I went down to um, a hunting lodge called Cypress Crossing, which is about 20 minutes from Stuttgart. So this is right in the center of what some people think. A lot of people claim is the duck hunting capital of of the world. Uh, really famous. And so I've never hunted in Arkansas at all. So the deal with this um, guiding system is it's it's all inclusive. So you go down. You sleep at the lodge. They give you your meals. They take you on the hunts. They bring you back, and and um, it's just a total event. And the food is just phenomenal. Uh, Joel's actually the chef down there, and the food is like I don't know. I'm just like a regular guy, so I can't tell you what star the food is, but it's like <laughs> really high end. It's really good. So actually, um, I brought, I took my wife down with me because you know we don't ever get away and do things together. Um, like trips and stuff. So she wasn't hunting, but she she went on the trip down with me. Um, and then when I was out hunting, she just stayed in the room and worked on her digital artwork. Um, I still haven't a, I still haven't for, forgiven you for not taking me, but continue on. Yeah, I know, I know. But <laughs> man, we had we had an awesome time. We had an awesome time. So I put out a video of the whole trip down there, the ride down there, and everything. Um, so we got down there about four o'clock on um, I think it was it was Friday. Friday evening, and um, we got into our room and just kind of hung out and everything. And then we had we had our first meal at six thirty. So it's just kind of 
pit out back. They've got TVs and there's about 18 other hunters um, just mingling around. So that, that whole atmosphere, um, I tend to be a little bit introverted when it comes to meeting new people. And so it was interesting. I'm just kind of mingling and talking. Were you uh, recognized at all? um, I was by one younger kid. I would say younger. He was probably uh, in his teens or might've been 20, but I doubt it. So I was by one. When I, got, yeah, I don't think he wa- uh, was that familiar with me because he thought I was from California, but he certainly recognized me. So that was kind of cool. Nice. So hunt, every, every day you wake up at, well, you've got to be ready to go by 515. They've got this muck room and you walk in, you put up your waders and your gun and all your hunting stuff stays there. So all the mud and crap stays confined into one room. So you've got to be ready to go at 515, waders on, ready to get out the door. So, you know, all these 18 guys are all putting on waiters and getting all ready and everything. And, and honestly, at first it was kind of intimidating just to like be filming everyone I didn't know and everything. So I tried to, I don't know, it's just kind of, it feels kind of (laughs) awkward at first. So, um, I hopped in the, I hopped in the truck, three trucks pull up and everyone just starts jumping into vehicles and everything. And you, you go in a truck for about a five minute drive. Then you get out of the truck because they've got a bunch of different farms leased up most of which are rice fields um, which are flooded and they've got a few timber holes as well Uh, so from after you get out of the truck you get into like a little i don't know what the name like a gator or whatever you know with all the decoys on it and and you like six guys hop in the same vehicle and you go down a dike and then you get to your different hunting blinds on the first day it was joel myself and four others um and that I would say that the my biggest my, the the thing that I guess I had struggled to get used to was um, five shooters at once out of a duck line like that. Um, that I kind of struggled getting used to that part of it. So unfortunately, when we when we got down there, the temperature was 60s during the day. Now the day before they had shot um, 32 ducks, and I'm not sure whether everyone shot 32 or whether just Joel's blind shot 32, but they had a decent day. The day before when we got there the sound of the geese was just deafening snow geese and um speckle bellies and i mean it was just like they were in a field just adjacent to us and it was it sounded like there's just hundreds hundreds of thousands of them and that was like one of my big takeaways i had i knew that hunting speckle bellies was a big thing down in arkansas but I had no idea how many speckle bellies they have down there. I mean, it's almost like you're hunting specks more than anything else. Um, it, they're just everywhere. And they just, they're constantly like, not, not hardly at all do you go without hearing or seeing specks fly at least high in the sky. And I mean, we've got around here, we've got a few specks, but mostly Canada's. Down there, it's just reverse. It's just, they're everywhere. And they're such a, such a cool little bird. Yeah. So the first day we didn't exactly do great. We ended up with, um, I don't know, we downed nine or 10, lost a couple. Um, so we, I think it was something like six ducks, mostly mallards and three and three speckle bellies. So it was, it was not a fantastic hunt or anything, but there was constantly specks in the air. Um, we saw a lot more of them than we did, than we did um, ducks. And they will actually work kind of like, I've, I've not seen Canada's do this as much where they're kind of working and circling you like, like ducks and everything. And so I actually only pulled the trigger twice on day one. Cause I'm, my main goal, especially with five shooters was just to film 
And I mean, if a single or a double came in, I don't really want to, I don't feel like I need to shoot if there's four other guys you know, pulling the trigger. So I took two shots at a spec, killed it on the second one, which I got shot cam footage of. And so that was day, so that was day one. So then when you're done, you get back in um, the vehicle, go back to the truck. They always shut down the hunt at about 10 or 10.30 every day. They don't go, they don't go past 10.30. Is that just so, to kind of like give the spots rest and let birds kind of work back in there? Um, I think it's, they, they have a real routine system. So as soon as you get back, then um, the ladies, which the ladies that make the meals, um, assist with the meals are Joel's wife, Scott's wife, the owner, and then um, Scott's son's girlfriend. So they have got the food already like on schedule. So everyone comes back in at about 11, between 11, by the time you get there, it's between 11 and 12. And like a big breakfast is sitting there waiting for you. Then you've got a few some people go on a, a spec hunt in the afternoon. And so, and then that goes right into dinner. So I think it's just, they keep it routine like okay. that. So you can't do an afternoon hunt if you want. You can. And one of the three days we did do an after, afternoon hunt. Um, a lot of times they do speckle belly field hunting out of layout blinds and stuff. Um, ours was just in a rice field blind when we went in the afternoon. Um, so I just think they keep the whole thing just like a well-oiled machine. So just, is it up to you or up to them who, uh, like if you do the afternoon hunt? Well, the way, way it works, if you've had a horrible morning, I think it, they offer it to you. Um, and if you've had a good morning, then it's an additional charge um, is the way I think that it works. Um, now, I was down there. I'm a Joel's friend, so the, I was down there to kind of promote and run videos and everything. So um, that, was, that was nice. So you got charged extra for the afternoon hunt? Are you trying to say? I did not. I did not get charged anything for the afternoon hunt. <laughs> so, um, so we got back and you have the breakfast and everything, and then um, we just hung around that afternoon and watched some college football. And I took a little nap, worked on some video stuff, and then got up for dinner and everything. So it's just—I mean—you're there and you got nothing to do, so it's just such a relaxed hanging around the lodge and just having all the camaraderie and getting to know all these people from California and some guys in there some virginia was was really a is a huge part of the fun just the whole lodge experience honestly hmm. it was a big part of it um so day two it just ended up being myself and um two of the guys from the day before and they are high and dry they make waiters and they um they're they're sponsors with or partners with joel on his on his youtube channel and so so i hunted with those two guys every day Day two was just me and those two. So we only had three guns in the blind the second day. The second day was even slower than the first. We ended up with three specs and three shovelers. On that day, I pulled the trigger twice and killed a spec and a shoveler. So, you know, honestly, I, I think that our, those two hunts were the worst hunts that they've had the entire year. So that's kind of how my year is gone. I just keep missing it. I just miss it and missing it. Um, <laughs> Because they they normally just pretty much pound them every single day, but you're dealing with temperatures in the 60s. And on morning number two, it actually morning temperature was almost 60, and there wasn't very much wind, and they haven't had a huge push of ducks for a while. So I mean, for down there, it was just stale. I mean, and these ducks, I think I think I've started to figure out. You know how we've had some debates about. Um, I've given a little pushback to people saying down south the birds are so much more wary because they've traveled so far, you know, yep. and 
And I've given a little pushback to that argument because I said, well, a mallard in Kansas in January has been hunted the exact amount of days as a mallard in Arkansas and Louisiana, Texas. So how could they be more wary? But what I found out is that these ducks go down there. Like a lot of these ducks in Arkansas, they're the same ducks that have been down there since the beginning of November. So when you go, they, these birds a lot of times get there early and they just stay and they don't, they don't migrate anymore. So they're dealing with stale ducks on a consistent basis. Hmm. And, and here in Kansas, it's like, you know, we don't get ducks that just sit here. They're always coming through. And so I think the reality of it, it's not that the ducks travel so much farther and, and they've had to deal with the travel that makes them more wary by the time they get South. I think it's the fact that they get there and they are there so much longer and they learn the area. I've never seen birds so um, hard, hard to pull in. I mean, I've had days, but those first two days, every duck that we saw would kind of work the blind, and everything. And I mean, it was just like over and over and over again. They just were like, nope, uh, uh-uh. they just were just very, very intelligent, intelligent, smart birds. Mm-hmm. So, um, the third day was much, much better. Um, we ended up shooting 20 ducks and I think three or four geese. So, and the place that we hunted on the third day was, was a very interesting, interesting spot. It was this blind that was kind of back into the trees, another rice field that was circled by timber all the way around. And right at the beginning of the day, there was a lot more duck movement than what we had seen, but it was kind of the same thing to all the ducks before they, we just, they just couldn't finish them, couldn't finish them. And Joel and the other guides there, they were like, oh, just wait until the sun hits the decoys. You're going to see a change. And as soon as the, the sun came up enough over the trees to hit the decoys, the ducks started finishing. And so that was a, that was a, a really good hunt. We were shooting and um, shot a few pintails, a few widgeon, a um, couple specks. So that, that was a good hunt. I, I personally struggled on that hunt myself with my shooting. But um, it was it was a good it was a good day. So here's a question on that. So you're saying that once the sun hit the decoys, that they worked in better, right? Mm-hmm. So I've kind of always, you know, we've we've talked about the sun, like where maybe it's not like super important. Like, like if my decoys have like some mud on them, like I'm not gonna like take time during the middle of the season and like. Um, clean them off. Like I might have them clean before the season comes in, stuff like that. But you know, if if it makes that big of a difference, or if you've seen examples of like the sun hitting the decoys and the colors popping more, I mean, you think newer, fresh decoys work better than <laughs> older doll decoys? I'm sure to a to an extent. I, I to an extent, I think that's true. Um, once the sun hits the decoys, so I was thinking about this too. Down there. They believe that sunny versus cloudy is the most important factor. They believe that is the number one factor as to why ducks aren't coming in. And I mean, they view cloudy days as just, it's the worst thing in the world to them. Um, And so I've been trying to think about that concept because I I fully believe that sunny days are better than cloudy days. Um, I think that I've got stats on my website that back that up, but the stats on my website do not back up to the level in which they believe there's a difference between sun and cloudy. I mean, they talk about it constantly. It's like, it's like the thing. Um, But then you tie that up with the sun coming out 
and then hitting the decoys and the ducks reacting so much better. I'm not sure you can tie that into a sunny day, cloudy day thing. Um, because on a sunny day where the sun has not yet hit the decoys, then you've got a difference between things being lit by the sun and things being in shade and hidden more because they're in the shade versus a cloudy day where everything is the same coloration. Um, does that make sense? So yeah. I don't I don't think the correlation is the same between a sunny day and sunny hitting the decoys. I don't think it's necessarily the same the same issue. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I mean obviously <laughs> new decoys, the, the better they look, the better it's gonna be. How much? I don't know. I mean, guys can throw out um black spray painted water bottles and shoot ducks sometimes. Um, you know, they're but it's not gonna be as as good as brand new good looking decoys but yeah i don't know yeah no that's definitely i mean we could go on that subject forever and, and speculate and figure it out but it was just interesting to say like for you to say like it was night and day difference kind of when the sun comes mm -hmm. out and it, it kind of makes you think you know i mean certain parts of the season when you got the stare the, the stale the stale weary <laughs> ducks um and mm -hmm. we've all have we all have parts of the season where that's us um you know maybe the decoys are making a big difference in those times i mean Obviously, if you're on the X at the honey hole or, you know, one of your honey holes where the birds always want to be, um, it, you could probably do it with a black spray painted bottles. But if you're trying to traffic wary ducks that are stale, stale and been there for a long time, you know, every little thing probably yeah. matters a little bit. So, um, yeah, go, yeah, go ahead and continue on. Well, I'd say my, my biggest struggle on the trip with my shooting was the whole thing. Of, we weren't decoying big flocks. You're talking two or three, one to three ducks coming in and you've got five guns shooting. So you get in this mindset of needing to be first to shoot if you're going to kill something, right? So I was, I got into a habit of like, you see him coming and you are ready to jump up and get off a shot as quickly as humanly possible. And I was just, it makes you rush. And so I think I won't, I ended up being two for 10 on that last day. Um, everyone else shot probably 20 to 25 shells and I shot 10. I was still doing a lot of filming and, and I know if it's a single coming in, I wasn't even trying because I mean, there's five guns. I'm not even know if I even shot the thing. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of figured out by the end of it, cause most of the people that I hunted with down there, not everyone, but most of them are, Oh, this is our duck hunt for the year. Or, you know, we hunt a couple of times a year. So, I mean, there would be a, a pair of birds come in and I would get up and, you know, try to shoot as quick as I can. But I think if you're a little more patient, a lot of these guys miss on the first shot. Uh, so had I just been a little rush so much, I think that it would have, it would have worked a little bit better for me. It's just so different than, than the way we do it here, because I mean, we've got typically one cameraman, two shooters at the most one cameraman and three shooters. And if they're singles, we take turns, you know, I mean, so we, I always know when I pull the trigger, whether it's my duck or not, or every now and then there's a split. I've just never been in a situation where it's like five guns blasting. And, you know, I don't know, did I shoot something? Did I not shoot it? You know, and, and also you, when you've got that many people, you've got the, the caller going, kill them, you know? And so by the time you get up, by the time you sit up out of your seat to shoot, those birds are there flying scared 
It's like, you know, if you're just hunting out by yourself with chief and you pull the trigger on a mallard coming in, you're going to slip up and he's probably still going to be hovering when you pull the trigger. Right. Uh, but in blinds like this, by the time you're pulling the trigger, there's those birds are no longer hovering. And so it's a big transition with the whole shot and being okay with being that many shooters and maybe not knowing what you shoot or, or, but yeah. that, that was my biggest, that was my personal biggest struggle. Is yeah, that I, think, I think, it, I think probably I, I would, if I was going to put like a guess of a number on it, I mean, 85% of the country probably hunts the way you're describing. Mm -hmm. I, th I mean, I think I see that a lot. I've hunted with a lot of groups like that. I mean, if you're solo hunting, it's like you said, I mean, but even a lot of groups I hunt with now, it's more guns blazing. Um, <laughs> everybody shooting at a group of two or three, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I know you, you have a different, a different approach on it for your style, which is, um, I don't know what word to, to attach to it, but, uh, <laughs> You know, it's certainly different. It's certainly yeah. different. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't, and, you know, there's, I mean, there's positives and negatives. Well, there's positives in both. Right. So I'll just say that. <laughs> well, I will say that I absolutely loved this experience and I love Santa Lodge. I love seeing hunting in rice fields. I love hunting with professional guides and Joel and, and one of the best parts of the trip was just getting to know these guys from high and dry um, and, and really building a relationship with them. And so the entire hunt was fantastically rewarding. And if you ever get a chance to go and stay at a lodge like this, guys, do it. It is a fantastic experience. That awesome. being said, um, it's going to, it's hard for me to adjust to five guns shooting in a situation where, People are paying money. When people are paying money, you can't really say, okay, now you guys don't shoot on this pass. Let's let Elliot take a shot. You know, <laughs> I mean, we had probably 15 birds. And I was like, I don't think I've killed a single bird, you know? And in a setting where you know the people, you're like, okay, guys, I haven't shot one yet. I just, let me take the single and you take the single. But in a situation like this, where you don't really know everyone, everyone's paid money and everything and they want to shoot, that's just not how it functions, right? Um, so there's, there's that aspect that I, I am, and someone asked me this question on, on one of the videos, the video I just put out today, it's like, you know, which one do you, would you prefer after you've had both? Um, and, and I would say that I would love to have an experience like that down in Arkansas every single year. If I, if I could sign up to go and do that every single year, I would do it, but I would in no way would I trade it for what I do. There is absolutely no way that I would trade it. Um, there is something about public land duck hunting and, and having all these locations to choose from being versatile, finding the birds, going after the birds, doing it in small groups, pulling the trigger and knowing that I for sure shot that particular duck. Mm -hmm. I just would on a week in week out basis. There's no way that I would trade it in a million years. Yep. Awesome. So definitely. Uh, but a gr like great, great, great experience And Arkansas certainly has, Lots and lots and lots of birds. And yeah. there's just water everywhere down there. And I think it's just because there's so much rice. But you just drive around and it's like, oh, there's a flooded rice field with specks in it. There's a flooded rice field with specks in it. Oh, look, there's specks and snow geese right by the road just hanging out. It's just like it's it's mind-blowing, honestly. Yeah. Now, I've seen videos. I haven't been down there yet. So it's definitely on the bucket list for me. But, um, you know, I've only watched your first two videos. That's all you got out yet. But it looks like, uh, you know, a fantastic lodge and 
a uh, great group of guys and looks like you had a ton of fun. Yeah. If you guys have not checked out uh, Joel Strickland's YouTube channel, surviving duck season, certainly he is a class, a waterfowler. And cause it's, it's worth it. He's a, he is a phenomenal individual. Just that guy's awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, you ready to change gears a little bit? Anything else you want Let's to add on to the end of that? I don't think so. I mean, if anyone has any, if I guess there's any more questions, but no, I think that that does it. Yeah. No, go ahead and, uh, you know, stay tuned, fellas. He's got two more hunts coming out with it. So I'm um, looking forward to those. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and change gears, talk about um, the hunts I've had going on. So I'm trying to remember, two weeks ago, we talked about the boat a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I've had a little bit of issues with the boat. I d we'll just start out with that. And um, working on it, for me, it's like, getting better at that kind of stuff at, at, as well as, you know, it's going to be another tool once I get everything running how I want, how, get the blind how I want and all that. So um, definitely been having a little bit of issues getting everything um, in working condition. Um, but, yeah, boat's been a ton of fun, but I guess that hunt's not first. So first time we need to talk about, um, I've been on, up to this point, I'd been on um, – just a trail of terrible hunts. I think I was six out of seven hunts were skunk, and I hadn't shot a duck in like 33 days. So it's like pretty much like <laughs> half my season, <laughs> half my half my local season without any traveling. Um, I just hadn't shot any ducks. I mean, super stale. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was awful. It's one of it's one of the longest stretches I've ever had, as far as um, skunks and. You know, I had—I think I had a long stretch of skunks last year too, right about this time. Uh, I'm not gonna like not hunt, so especially when it's holidays, you have time off and all that kind of stuff. So, um, definitely in the dumps up to this point. So, um, getting—I can't believe that the, that that's your biggest stretch of skunks because you've like doubled your bird total this year from last year. I can't believe that. <laughs> And that just tells how good the rest of your year has been. Yeah, no, it started off really good. I mean, I, I did some traveling, done some done some stuff I've never done, going down to Kansas for the teal opener, chasing openers. So I've really extended my season. So that also helps add to those numbers. But I had, I mean, I've had so many limits um, early season. I mean, so many limits. So um, kind of going from that, yeah, I've, I've had a, pr a pretty bad stretch here. Um, since the end of November going into December, um, all the way through December to, till, I mean, the last weekend of December, um, is the last weekend of our split. And this is also the, the, um, split for Southern Michigan. I'm not, I'm not sure if it's all of Michigan, but I know it is, uh, Southern Michigan. Uh, their Southern zone has a two day split right there at the end. So, um, Kevin had been out there scouting and he told me he had a bunch of birds, sent me a video actually. And he's like, man, we got like 3,000 geese and a whole bunch of ducks mixed in there. And you could hear them. You could see them on the video. You could hear the ducks. Um, so I knew that it was probably going to be a good hunt. Um, so I packed up, went up there um, for the hunt for that weekend on Saturday. And we get out there and get everything packed. I mean, we had so much stuff packed in our canoes. It was it was crazy. And no joke, um, it's, it's just a two-day hunt. I mean, field hunter is probably going to be mad, but... We go in there, and, uh, I mean, we bust a lot of birds off the roost. 
um, as we, <laughs> as we canoe in there. I mean, it was like thunder. It was thunder, like multiple waves of thunder as we rolled in there in our canoe. So <laughs> I was just scared. Oh, that's a great feeling. Oh, yeah. I mean, it might be the most birds I've ever heard when we busted off. I mean, it was it was serious. It was like thunder. I mean, first first wave was like all ducks. You could hear them quacking waves, waves of their wings going. And then next was geese. And then like another wave of huge wave of geese. And so, I mean, at that point, you're, you're feeling pretty good. I mean, with that many birds, it's like you got to have a lot coming back. So yeah. um, we set up on this bog in the cattails, famous Michigan bogs. I don't know if they're famous, but they're famous for me. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we set up on the bog. And the cattails, um, and we, we had a huge spread. I'm gonna say that we probably had. I brought all my uh, all my wind socks, and they had some dive bomb silhouettes. I had my white rock wind um, white rock wind socks, and then um, a bunch of goose floaters and uh, duck floaters. I mean, it was probably. Oh, I mean, it's one of the biggest water spreads. So just shallow water. How shallow was it? I mean, we had sandbar, and then it would get out on either side of it to probably about waist deep. Um, but we were able to str- – I mean, 10 dozen decoys. I mean, but there was that many birds you're trying to match what was already out there. So 10 to 12 dozen, I'm going to say. Um, and I didn't really count them, but we had a, a lot of decoys out there. Um, but, yeah, first light, you know, ducks, geese flying everywhere. We get the show. We have birds coming in there, and, I mean, we're just kind of popping them here and there. Um, you know, Chief making some good retrieves. And I, and I kind of I went back, and I was, I was thinking about it, and I only had to get out of the cattails twice. Um, overall, I think we had – let me count how many birds we had. Yeah, all 14 birds we had, I only had to get out of the cattails twice. So that's like, you know, kind of coming to the end of the season – um, that's huge to see Chief being able to do that, where he's able to <laughs> be so successful with re- his retrieves that I, I barely have to get out of there. And I had to get out of the cattails one time so that we ha- I could get past the cattails, line them up next to me, and then um, send them on a, a line to a bird. So that was one of them. The other one, it, it got in the cattails, and it was still alive. And he went over to a piece of wood that he thought was the bird, and I had to get over there and point him towards the cattails, and he ran in the cattails sniffed it out and brought it right back right back to me and made a, an, an excellent retrieve on that one too. So um, huge props to Chief. <laughs> I guess props to myself for the training I've put in this off season. Um, he's but, had a good year, hasn't he? Yeah, no, I mean, he's – I mean, it's like to say dirt under the feet is what makes a dog, and he's had so many hunts this year. I mean, I've had more hunts than I've ever had, and, and having him on almost all of them. Um, and he's just you – know, he's just made leaps and bounds of improvements, and – you know, my whole goal is to to have a dog where I I don't have to get out of the blind. And that's the whole point of having a dog um, mm-hmm. where they can make you more successful because they're doing that while you're still hunting. And, I mean, he did so good, um, you know, kind of coming to the end of the season. I mean, his worst was when he got too tired in the middle of the season when I hunted him too much, and then we made out-of-state trip. Is really that, that time where we went to Kansas was the worst mm-hmm. he was all season. And after that, he kind of got back rested up and – and rearing to go. So, um, you know, that, that was probably my mistake more than his, just overworking them, overhunting them um, to the point of exhaustion. And it's just kind of <laughs> something I'm going to have to watch out for and be careful um, next year. But, you know, kind of kind of to refocus on this hunt, um, you know, I was just super impressed kind of looking back at that, that he was 
so successful in all the retrieves. Um, and, you know, hopefully I can get it to where it's 100%. I mean, but we're so close right now that it just feels really good. Um, but, yeah, as the hunt kind of progressed on, um, we just kept nickel and dime in the ducks. We did have a little bit of issue with concealment. Um, somebody else had hunted that at some point and knocked down a lot of cattails. Um, I don't think it was I don't think it was uh, the Michigan boys I was hunting with. Um, I think they're saying it was somebody else, but they're just you know you really need the cover. And so we had a little bit of trouble getting them to finish all the way. We did have I would say about half of them kind of cup cup all the way in, and the rest would kind of flare out at 20, 25 yards. And so we're taking a little bit of passing shots or as they circle over us, not finishing completely. Um, so, I mean, that's just kind of tough when you're hiding in the cattails. Um, but kind of something to, to learn from. We kept messing around with the decoys, and it worked a little better when they had a bigger opening. But I think for me, kind of looking back at it, it was just the concealment uh, of the cattails and having so many of them smashed down. And as the hunt went on, like Chief busting through them didn't help. I mean, he doesn't know to avoid <laughs> – the, the cattails, but as the hunt went on, he kept smashing more and more of them over as he'd run out and get ducks. So, um, yeah, kind of as we get to the end of the hunt, though, um, yeah, we well, one thing I want to mention, we, we couldn't get the, the geese to finish how we wanted. Um, so I don't know if that goes into my theory of uh, a bigger bird, bigger brain, because <laughs> we could get the ducks close enough. But uh, we only ended up shooting three geese, and we saw a lot, had a lot work, but we just couldn't finish them. Um, were you using, did you have spinners going? Uh, no, we, we had no spinner. We didn't use a spinner at all. So we just used wind socks, um, silhouettes, full bodies, goose floaters mm. and duck floaters. So no spinners at all. And we had plenty of wind, but, uh, yeah, we couldn't, for whatever reason, we couldn't get the geese close. We had a few times where it'd be like a group of six coming right in and they'd flare out at like 40, 45 yards. Um, maybe 40 to 50 or 50 to 60 because we didn't even shoot at them. I mean, there'd be a group of six and it would just be like, we think they're going to do it right. And they don't. So, um, hmm. yeah, I get, I, I'm going to go back to that and say that that's probably for me. I'm thinking it's concealment a little bit. And I mean, what can you do except for just bring your own concealment next time or something like that? I'm not sure exactly, but uh, all, all in all, I mean, it was an amazing hunt. Uh, so many birds, so many sites and, uh, you know, just going off of such a long stale period. And I always tend to be, I think I overanalyze everything. It's just like, you know, I should just look back at the hunt and enjoy it, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good to try, try to always get better and do better. But at the end of the day, man, I was just so thankful for that hunt. Um, all the birds that we saw and getting on a really solid mallard hunt. Um, but So how many birds did you end with on that? I ended with three, and they both shot okay. their limit. So I had a little bit of poor shooting as well. Um, going into that hunt. And I think it's just when you haven't shot your gun in 33 days, you know, <laughs> it gets, I mean, cause up to that point I'd been lights out all, I mean, I, I felt like I, I'd been shooting really good up till, till, uh, here recently. Um, you know, just not being able to have any birds to shoot. So, uh, but yeah. So icing on the cake though. Uh, we had a bird come in and, Actually, we had, we had a whole group come in. It was like six or seven, and they circled right around, and they didn't finish perfectly. And so we had a passing shot, and all three of us shot at the closest bird. And I think we shot four times at it, uh, maybe five. Four, I think it was four times. I think one of one of the Kevins shot one time, the other Kevin shot twice, and I shot once. So we all shot this bir bird 
and um, split on it. So lands out in um, on the sandbar, uh, winged, and it's probably it landed probably um, like forty yards out. So I I just didn't. You know, I think one of the guys said, oh, he's still alive. I'm like, oh, Chief will get him. I just sent Chief out after him, and I see Chief run out to it on the sandbar. And this duck is just like, I mean, running in circles, and Chief's right behind it going in circles. (laughs) (laughs) You know, which is super cool to see. But um, he grabs hold of it, comes running back, and brings it up. Um, Right when he gets up there, I see uh, (laughs) the leg kick out, and right hanging on the leg is um, a band. (laughs) Your heart just drop. Oh yeah, I'm like man. Uh, one of them said like, if we knew that thing was banded, like none of us would have been waiting for Chief to, um, <laughs> you know, work. You know, you kind of let your dog kind of work on a, a crippled dog to, I mean, just to let him work it and kind of help on his hunting skills. But um, if you know it's banded, you're not not giving that bird any chance of getting away. So um, we definitely would have put a couple shots into it to finish it off instead of just letting Chief run out there and grab it. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we were all pumped, excited, high fives all around. So, I mean, that's the first duck band I ever saw. It was like, it was kind of weird because I looked down at it and it's almost like I was confused or thought it was like, I'm like, is this real? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I mean, that's yeah. nobody else had touched the bird. You know, it's not like somebody slipped one on or anything, but, and so it was like that split second of, am I like, I'm not seeing what I think I'm seeing. Oh yes, I am. It's a band. And I'm like, it's banded. Yeah. And, you know, lift it up and everybody's <laughs> super pumped. So, um, you know, I asked Kevin, I'm like, hey, so how do you guys decide the band, the bands or whatever? And I don't know if they've done it a lot in the past, but um, he, he did a thing where he took and he put three shells in his pocket. Um, and two of them were one color and one of them was a third color. And so since all three of us shot at the bird, you know, everybody's going to want to claim it, right? I shot the bird. I shot the, you know, like, <laughs> so fairest way to do it. Um, which this is a good conversation. Like, how does everybody else decide who gets the ban if you have somebody split it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I'd be curious to, to see what everybody else says because I know there's a lot of people who do different styles. But um, So he puts them in his pocket, and um, he's like, all right, and we'll flip a quarter to see who goes first between you and Kevin. I'm like, oh, Kevin, you can go first <laughs> because you have a 33% chance, but if you don't pick it, then I'll have a 50% chance. <laughs> <laughs> that's skewed logic <laughs> i know i was joking around but uh <laughs> um yeah because i mean everybody has 33 percent chance yeah so i know but it, i it was i thought it was funny at the time um yeah so yeah he goes in there and he pulls out a heavy metal shell and it's one of the gold ones and he one of the the two colored ones and he just chucks it on the ground and so it's my <laughs> turn and, and kevin's like no peeking and so i'm like oh i'm not gonna peek and i just you know, you you have, like, thoughts spinning through your head about, like, I'm like, how can I make sure I get that, you know, but there's no way to, you know, there's no way to tell. So I just shove my hand in there and pull the shell that touches my hand first as quick as possible and lift it up. And actually, I have, I have it right here for the, the live viewers, but it was the blue shell, which meant I get the ban. I was like, I was so pumped. So nice. <laughs> actually, I have it right here, too. So you, you can see that there. So it was yours. Yep. So I got the duck band. I mean, I was... I was on cloud nine. I mean, I did feel a little bad for Kevin as well because it was – I mean, we talked about it for a while because um, we hunted that day and the next day. But he's he's been hunting ducks for hard for the last 10 years. And it's the first time he's ever been on a hunt where they've shot a duck band. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
you, everybody wants the band and it's just like the prize possession and so he he was super excited to yeah. be on the the hunt where be involved in a hunt where we got a band but I know he wanted it as well so I, I felt a little bad for him too but I also was so pumped that I got it so it's kind of weird um kind of mixed feeling on it but I'm super pumped about um getting the band and you know shout out to them for inviting me on that hunt it was awesome and you know shout out to them because I've been hunting with uh Kevin you know and, and his friend Kevin which I need to come up with the name I'm for them because it's, it's super confusing to say Kevin and Kevin and yeah um yeah. Michigan boys I'm just gonna call them the Michigan boys from now on but uh I've been hunting with the Michigan boys um I mean almost as much as anybody this season so you know big shout out to those guys uh helping me get on some good old Michigan hunts especially when I'm out of split and kind of being able to ex- extend my hunt there so um yeah I guess that's uh well, where was the, where was it banded at? It was banded up in Wisconsin, about probably about midway up the state along Lake Michigan. Huh. Cool. Yeah. So it was weird because I actually posted in the fellowship, um, and someone messaged that their buddy. So I, I posted the whole information. It said the the date it was banded on and like the hatchet that it was a part of, and all that stuff and the location, and. <coughs> And somebody posted in the fellowship that their buddy on that same exact day killed uh, another mallard that was banded in that same hatch from that same location on the same day, but he killed it in Nebraska. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? So how they don't all follow the same migration patterns and all that. And I, and I was kind of curious because this bird literally would have had to fly across Lake Michigan pretty much sideways um, south um, – southeast for a good ways so i wonder if the bird actually went further south and we had the big warm-up right through christmas because this is weekend yeah. after christmas um and it reverse migrated up to us that's my thought mm. <coughs> i wonder how much reverse migration there is during season i know we get it in january for sure well this... I, I don't know how much there is i wonder how much there is during the middle of the season i don't know i mean this year is yeah, it's it's hard to say. This year's a little bit of an anomaly, um, and I just kind of wonder with the warmer weather because we had a lot of freeze up, and then everything kind of cleared up. We didn't have any birds, and even in my area, up to that that weekend, we kind of saw the birds again. So, um, it was just really weird, and, and the birds kind of showed up out of nowhere right there that weekend. So, I don't know. That's the only thing I can attribute to that and it'd be kind of weird any other pattern because he literally would have had to go down around the tip of lake michigan which from my understanding they don't really travel straight across it um mm. so at some point he would have had to go either straight across the lake and just keep going sideways for a long time so um instead of north to south so i don't know it'd definitely be cool to kind of look into that stuff more but yeah yeah, I've got two bands. One was um, Saskatchewan, and one was somewhere in Pennsylvania, which for a Pennsylvania duck to be in Kansas is kind of cool. Yep, yep. So that one blew sideways as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of uh, one other topic I'd love to have somebody on to talk about is kind of like the numbers of birds per band, because I know we've talked about it on previous podcasts. You say you think it's somewhere um, – one to a thousand birds or something like that i'd say at the minimum at the minimum 
And so I was counting up the birds I've hunted and have personally killed. Um, and I'm probably uh, shy of 300 birds. <laughs> and so, I mean, if that's the case, I'm going to be waiting for a long time for a second one. <laughs> well, my dad's only got one in his 35 years. Yeah, that's crazy. And it was the first Mallard Drake he shot. No, nah, that's crazy. <laughs> now, there's been... There's been, I've shot bands on trips he's been on with me, and then there was two other guys he was out with two different days, like within the same year that a single came in, they both, both drew up on it, and his buddy killed it, and they had band twice that happened in one year to him. So wow. he's been close a bunch of times. Yeah. So, no, it's definitely, I think the reasons like that and the stories like that, where he's hunted for 35 years, and I mean, it's not like he's been a casual hunter. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had other guys comment. Um, I think it was Scott Hill saying that, um, you know, he's it's a dream for him, and he's a 30-year dream going after the duck band. So, And then, like I said, Kevin, and he's been a part of probably six to 700 ducks in his 10 years, um, and he that was the first one he's ever been. So I feel super blessed and <laughs> super pumped about it, you know, this kind of early in my uh, duck hunting career or my duck numbers, whatever you want to say to be uh, graced with a duck band. Um, But, yeah, so the story actually gets crazier from here. So um, I'm all jacked up, got my first band, Cloud Nine. I mean, I couldn't be more excited about it. Um, So, anyways, go on my next hunt, and, oh, I guess it's not my exact next hunt, so I forgot. Um, I think he even said in a post it was back-to-back hunts, but um, (laughs) I did go on a hunt before that, but... I want to, I'll, I'll jump back to that one and talk about that one briefly, but, um, yeah, so we went on a, um, a goose hunt, went on with the HDR crew on New Year's Day Eve, New Year's Eve, not New Year's Day Eve, (laughs) New Year's Eve, and then, um, yeah, so we had a field loaded up with geese, and so I'm cameraman for the first half of the, the hunt, um, I didn't have the camera ready on a, on a single that came in, and I, I took a split on that one and, uh, claimed that bird. So that was the only bird I'd kind of shot up to that point. We get closer to the end of the hunt, and so I finally put down the camera. I still have two birds left. The majority of the hunt, the other guys are pretty close to done. Um, so they finish up on theirs. I shoot one more in a group with them. And then, um, you know, give Hunter the camera. And we have – I have one more bird to get, and the hunt's done. Everybody else is done, limited out, but I'm, I haven't limited yet because I was filming. Um, also, I didn't have great shooting on that day as well. Um, <laughs> layout hunting, I'm not used to layout hunting and haven't shot a lot of birds recently. So that's my excuses for, uh, having terrible shooting. But anyways, last group comes in and of course it's like a group of 20 to 30 geese. I mean, all cuffed in, coming in perfect. One of the best working groups we've had all day. I mean, just doing it right, right up the pipeline. And so <laughs> right when they get about in shooting range, Hunter's like, hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. Like, he's just like. He's just rearing for me to uh, pop out and shoot him, and I'm just kind of, I'm kind of taking my time, um, and I just kind of stood up, and I remember just sitting there and looking at him and kind of figuring out which one I wanted to shoot because I mean all of them are right there, and even when I sat up, it's not like they flared; they just all were kind of floating right in front of me. And finally, I see one that seems like a pretty easy shot as it like coasts in front of me at like 15 yards, and so I just trained my gun on it follow it for like two or three seconds and pop one shot and just roll it. I mean, it literally did like a somersault in the air and (laughs) landed on the ground and 
Chief goes running after it, picks it up. Hunter got it on camera good. I was actually editing that video for HDR today, but um, Chief comes trotting in through the snow, through the field. I mean, he just looks like an absolute beast. And you know, I'm, obviously, I'm a little, uh, <laughs> I'm a little biased, <laughs> but <laughs> he looks like an absolute beast, like a tank of a dog with his goose in the mouth, just high stepping through the snow. And he brings it. He literally just steps into my blind with it and hands it to me. Um, and I'm looking at it, and I cannot believe it as i just hold up this goose <laughs> in my hand with the legs stretched out it's banded <laughs> and I, so i shot oh, man. it was like two birds in between i shot that duck i shot two well i guess it's two or three birds in between it three birds in between it shoot that duck another duck and two geese and the next bird i shoot is another banded goose so i just I mean, absolutely. I freaked out because I just couldn't believe it again. And, again, I probably wouldn't have believed it. If Chief didn't bring it from the field to my hand, I would have been like, okay, these guys, they know I just got my duck band. They're trying to screw with me, and they slipped on a goose band, you know. <laughs> but the fact that he went straight to the field and brought it straight back to my hand, I knew that it was legitimately banded. It was just, man, I, I freaked out. So, <laughs> Um, so where was that? Where was that one banded at? That one was actually a local bird, so not as okay. exciting as getting a migrator. But he was a local resident goose, and I'm not going to tell you where because I would tell you where I hunt. <laughs> well, yeah, a band's a band. Yep, band's a band, and first duck and first goose band three days apart. That is cool. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Yeah. I'm due for one. I, I feel like I want one. I want one real bad. I got I got my two like in consecutive years and it's just man, you who knows? We could go another twenty years and not shoot one. Yeah, so where I mean, uh when's your last band? Um, let's see, it was before FDH. So I shot one out at Chime Bottoms. That was my first one, Mallard Drake's probably around somewhere between two thousand eleven or twelve ish between 2010 and 2014 where both my bands were in there nice so do you have like a preference like <clears throat> like a duck or goose band like which one kind of would would mean more to you duck would mean more to me yeah for sure i'm the same there's way, so like... many locally uh band and i and i do think that locally banded geese kind of have an asterisk on it um aiden's first couple of bands were he shot like two in one day and they were you know banded right there at the same location and and i do think those types of bands have a little bit of an asterisk beside them so i think the farther are they would migrate the cooler so yep. corn corn shot a snow goose that was clear up by the arctic circle i can't remember greenland or iceland i mean way up there and that is just talk about cool yep yep that's probably the coolest yeah yeah i'll take a duck over a goose band any day yeah I don't know if it's just because I, I enjoy ducks more than geese, and I, I really have kind of the geese have grown on me the last couple of seasons, um, having a lot of fun with those. But yeah, it's just something about seeing like a green head like that um, with the jewelry on it. It's just something you you only really see in pictures, and finally when you get one in your hands, it's almost like wow, this is this is just awesome. So I'm definitely in the same boat where um, I prefer a duck band over a goose band, but it was just to get both of them was super surreal. So. All right. So answer this question for me. Cause I've never really flushed this out in my mind. What makes getting a duck band so cool? 
Yeah, no, I, I've had a lot of, I've been thinking about this a lot myself. Um, you know, it's kind of just knowing, like, the journey of it, too, in some extent. Um, and then kind of, I think, the rarity. So, um, I, I mean, just those two things combined are pretty cool. And, I mean, also, it looks cool, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> what What would you say? Um, man, I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, the number one cool thing about it is finding out where they migrate are from. Yep. Um, I guess it's, it's so difficult to get one and, and you have to shoot so many birds to get one. I'd say that maybe tied into that, it's kind of a badge of honor. Like, you know, these are really hard to get and I had to work hard to get it and I had to shoot so many birds to get it and here it is. And here's where yep. it migrated from. I guess. Yep. And do you do you keep yours on your lanyard? I do not. I do not. I don't know. I, I'm going back and forth because at one point I felt like when people just put bands all over their lanyards, it was kind of lame and gaudy and everything. And and um, I'm kind of falling back away from that thought these days. So I, I maybe I should put my two on my lanyard. Maybe yeah. I should. No, I mean I think it goes along with what you said. It is definitely a badge of honor. You know, I mean, you don't want to be like braggadocious, but also it's like, hey, um, and it is there is some luck involved, right? Um, because mm-hmm. there is like a certain amount of number of ducks and geese you have to shoot to get your bands. And I've definitely, I think I've got these two kind of early in the numbers if you look at by the numbers. Um, but like if you do have a lot of bands, it means that you're, I mean, it, it can mean that you're a good hunter. You put in a lot of time and all that. So I, I do think it is a lot, a badge of honor. Is, is part of why it's cool to get bands. And then also, like you said, the, the journey, um, seeing where they came from, all that kind of stuff. Just knowing that they have – it's kind of like people who shoot like a big buck and have history. Like somehow you get a part of this bird's history, you know. And so it's different than kind of the other birds because you know, you know something more about it than just that one day where it came into your, your set and you shot it. So – yeah, and a guy here on the live stream mentioned this, and I was just thinking it. I think I should probably put my bands on these two gadwalls behind me. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. So I've got two gadwalls decoying in on the mounts. Aiden shot one. Well, they're very special birds. Aiden shot one when we were together, and I shot the other one by myself. I love gadwalls. I should each either I should put them on my lanyard or put them on that mount. Yep. No, either one would be a cool option. So. The only thing I worry yeah. about with the lanyard is actually losing them because, you know, hopefully it's something I can keep hang on forever um, and you don't want to lose them off a lanyard. You hear people getting their lanyard stool or that kind of stuff. So I'll definitely be, uh, you know, guarding my lanyard <laughs> more carefully than I have in the past. Honestly, I'm not sure where my bands are right now. We just moved. I'm getting nervous as I sit here thinking about it. I'm not totally positive where they are at this moment. Mm. I better get. I better find those. <laughs> you better find them. I think I, I'm going to look for them. I think I'm going to put them on those. That would be really cool, having them on those mounts. Yep, that would be. Or I could even. I mean, this one that I could even. I don't know. Nice. Well, one more thing I wanted to talk about in my hunt update. So I did have a hunt in between, um, where I took out the boat, took it out to Michigan. Kevin had another good spot lined up. 
and it was just like a rainy day. We go out there, and I want to keep this one brief because we were already gone for a while tonight. But um, we get out there in the boat. The boat's running great. Um, the only issue I had is the recoil spring had broke partially, so <laughs> I could only pull the boat string part way out. But it was enough I could get it rolling. So I'd actually made sure the night before, um, kept ripping on it and got it going, so it was warm. So I knew the next day it was, was going to start out fine. Um, so we get to the boat launch, and sure enough, I just pull it one time, little baby pull, and this thing kicks right up. And this is a the the motor on this boat is a, a seventy nine, um, Evan Rude, fifteen horse, and it's a sixteen foot um, mm-hmm. flat bed or flat flat bottom John boat. So I'm not a big boat guy. I'm learning as I go, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, and it's got the blind that I build on. I need to do a video on it for sure, so everybody can kind of see. Uh, what I'm working with here, um, but yeah. So, anyways, we get to the spot. We have a few a few ducks working, um, and there's a little bit of a poke. I don't think I have the blind brushed in the way I need to um, to work birds as close as we need to. So, anyways, definitely can have some improvements on it. But that's kind of the fatal error because they worked not as close as we needed to. And we took the shot, killed the one dead on the water. Um, it was flapping, doing little circles, and the other one. Was still alive and kicking, which normally would be fine. But Chief went after the the one that was spinning in circles instead of the one that was uh, drifting away. Um, so, anyways, we're like, well, um, well, I had trouble getting Chief out of the boat. First time for him hunting the boat as well, or retrieving out of the boat, I should say. Um, so he wouldn't jump right out of the water, right into the water with like no bottom. Um, he needed a little bit of coaxing, but finally got him out there. And while he's doing that, I, I'm getting the boat motor started and we're going to go after that duck so we're kind of we're rolling out there following chief he grabs a duck and he won't jump in the front because i'm in the back so finally i just pull him up through the back even though it's like super crowded we got the boat motor there the blind in the way but i just pull him up through there and we keep coasting after that we keep chugging along after that duck and the boat motor's still running fine uh and we're just going we're motoring right across the lake and all of a sudden it just dies and so I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling, nothing. A choke, pull, you know, do all the stuff you're supposed to do to start the motor, nothing. And then I finally realized that when I pulled Chief up through the back, he pulled out the gas line from the gas tank to the boat motor. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not getting any gas. I just ran this thing dry. And I went out there without the line, um, the starter line, whatever you want to call that, fully working correctly so um after it runs it dry i can't get it primed i can't get it started right again so no matter what i do i just pull and i pull and i pull and i pull and i pull and after running this thing dry i just can't get it started so we're actually fighting against the wind and the current so (laughs) who's and so meanwhile we just decide we got to paddle back we can't get it going um kevin was smart enough to throw out the anchor while i was messing around trying to get it started so we didn't lose any more ground but literally the current and the wind were working against us. So um, we're just paddling with all we got. We're paddling, paddling, paddling. And neither, like, it's like we're just inching our way across this lake against current and wind. And so uh, eventually we decide we need to take a break. And we're not even there yet. Like, But we've been paddling, like, for a straight, like, 20 minutes. How and big is this lake? It's big. I mean, I don't know how to describe it in, like, acres or anything like that. But it's it's but a chain of lakes. Okay. <laughs> so it's not like some small lake. Um, it's enough like that it would like move the boat with the waves and stuff. I don't know how to describe it, but anyways, um, 
So, again, this boat's new to me, everything. So we, we decided we need to take a break. And uh, <laughs> so we're going to throw out the anchor again, but, like, I don't know how to release the anchor on this reel. Like, I have it out far enough that when I can get to the bank, I throw out the anchor right there, and we can anchor the boat and set up and hunt, right? But it's not made for, like, the middle of the lake um, where I don't know how deep the bottom is. So I can't get the thing to release. And while I'm doing this, we literally lose, like, half the distance we already gained. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I'm like, we just need a paddle. So we both grab the paddles again. And eventually what I needed to do was just take the whole blind off. And I had I literally tore apart the blind on the boat because the wind was catching it so hard it was like a sail. So pulled off the whole blind off both sides as Kevin's still trying to hold us in place. And finally we just get to paddle. And, I mean, it was like – we just were inching, 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 inching. And finally, um, <laughs> we made it to the decoys. Oh, and by the way, by while we're out there just paddling, we're like 100 yards away from the decoys, and three geese just, like, sail right into our set <laughs> to, add, <laughs> to add salt to the wound. They're just – they land, they just, like, look over at these two guys out in the middle of the lake 100 yards away just paddling at them, not making any ground. So then we finally – we get up to the decoys. We bust them off. And we throw the anchor in there, and we're just like, oh, we're both exhausted just sitting there. And all of a sudden, we hear, and it's like two ducks literally like are landing on top of us. <laughs> so it's like we have all these birds working our set. Like, literally, they were in kill range. Like, if I had my gun loaded, I could have just turned oh. around in the boat and killed them. Like, no blind, sitting in the middle of the decoys. So we, w- we would have had a really good hunt if we could have just hunted. So I felt pretty bad for Kevin. It was the last day of duck season. And I'm like, hey, man, I really want to use my boat. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be awesome. It's going to help us with the hunt. We could have just took canoes. like the and, uh, <laughs> But, you know, you never can predict these kind of things, and I got to get used to the boat game and all that kind of stuff. So I felt a little bad for Kevin, but he was he's always a great sport about everything. So, you know. How many ducks did you have on this trip? <laughs> just, the, just the one that we were able to retrieve. We would have two. I mean, we literally, the boat broke down on the first two that came in, so. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah. If we so were how did you get all the way back? So, we couldn't. We, um, we had to actually, um, like I said, it was like a chain of lakes and the current and all that. So, we had to, like, paddle and go with the current, and there was another boat launch, and we had um, the other Kevin, the other half of the Michigan boys group. <laughs> um wasn't hunting with us that that morning um he just had other stuff going on the night before and so he was able to come and rescue us and we met him at the other boat launch so we just coasted um with the current with the wind and kind of paddled to stay close to the shore and let the current and the wind do all the work and eventually we made it to another boat launch and uh i got out there and he drove me to the other boat launch that was actually on another lake that we started out from um and then got the boat boat trailer all the way around over there so currently the boat, I still don't have it in working condition. I have uh, two parts ordered and lights and battery and all this stuff, and I'm hoping to get that all hooked up. Um, but, yeah, having fun with it, but that was definitely a frustrating little uh, excursion for sure. But for long enough, you're going to have some events like that take place, and, and it's just how it is. Yep. Finding out When's that video coming out? Uh. Well, I'm currently, yeah, I'm working on the, the banded mallard hunt. 
and an update hunt that I'm yeah. putting out before the Bandit Mallard hunt that's going to talk about the boat a little bit, and then we'll get into the crazy um, boat not working hunt after that. So hopefully next week i got a couple videos coming out, if not a few. So Can't yeah. wait for that video to come out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, you know, that's probably about covers it. Um, you know? Anything else you want to add, Elliot? To so we've got a big hunt planned for tomorrow. Alarm clock set for two a.m. tomorrow, so it's going to be an early one. Aiden and my dad and myself. So it's winding down here. My zone's closed with ducks, so we're having to travel an hour and a half to the south for this one. So just trying to get in a. I've yet to have. I mean, I haven't had a really good mallard hunt yet this year. I've done okay on my numbers, but I just need. I'm hoping by the end of the season I can get one of those really phenomenal day of mallard shooting. I haven't had it yet. Yeah. Are you uh anywhere near your not like uh are you gonna hit a hundred this year? I don't know. I don't think so. I've got um twenty what twenty I'm looking at your numbers right now. Hold on, let me <laughs> look at them real quick. I've got 24 hunts and 74 harvested. Last year at this time, I had 25 hunts and 114 harvested. So I'm I'm well below last year, but last year was by far the best year of my life. So I'm still, this year I'm still, I'm right about at my average for a year, which is about three ducks a hunt. Wait, so wait. I'm on pace for probably about 90, about 90 birds is what I'm on pace for. Well, I hope it picks up and you can hit that 100 mark again. I know that was a kind of milestone last year, so be cool if yeah. you can get right up to that again. Yeah, um, you know, looking at this year with all the flooding and the, I was thinking if I could just be in the 70s or 80s this year, I'd be really happy with that. So, I'm 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 happy with the year. The only thing this year has lacked is the mallard hunts. I just I'm I'm below my normal mallard numbers, and so that's really what I'm thirsting for is a really nice mallard hunt but we will see we've got one more month to go at it i think i've got see one two one two three four five. i think i've got five duck hunts left awesome so if i could average five just over five ducks to hunt on that i might hit 100 i don't think that's gonna happen but <laughs> that's all right if i can just get in a couple good hens from there i think tomorrow we'll probably shoot a we're struggling for birds right now and i'm not sure why there was that um really cold front up north with all the snow and we don't have the geese or the ducks here right now i'd expect us to have so i i we found it was so annoying we went out scouting yesterday around here just looking for geese just thinking okay we were having problems hearing about any good duck places so let's look for geese and we found a pond that aiden has permission to a small pond with two to 300 mallards on it. And at two o'clock, they were just dumping in there, mm. of course. And we can't hunt it. Oh, yeah. That was really, really frustrating. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I hear you. And we were like, well, you know, maybe no, we're not. We would never, <laughs> never do it. <laughs> your split open January. Um, it opens back up like the 16th, whatever that Saturday is right around the, or no, it would be the set because Martin Luther King Jr. Day is the 2018th. Gotcha. So I've got Tim Cochran from Illinois coming in, and we're probably going to go out west um, out around Aiden for that weekend on the 18th, 19th. Nice. And then the weekend after that's the last weekend. I don't know if I 
kind of want to try to get you to come down here. I'm just not sure what the prospects are. I hate to try to get you down here and have Chris crap. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, the state has sucked this year. Yeah, it sounds like you've been having a little bit of a rough one for sure. But, you yeah. know, can't complain too bad either. So That's um, for sure. Yeah, so let's go ahead. Let's try something a little bit new here. Um we're going to have our first call-in guest, and we're going to talk to Virginia Outdoor Unlimited, um, one of our good buddies from the Flyways Collective. Um, so let's go ahead and bring him on the call. So here we go. <laughs> Get the phone ringing and everything coming through. Hey, Jordan. Hey, what's going on, Thomas? You are live Not with us. Much. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> gotcha. You're live with us on the Duck Gun Podcast. Um, me and Elliot. Can everybody hear me? Yep, everybody can hear you. So. All right, good. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to What's check up, in Thomas? with you. Hey, Elliot. How are you doing? Yeah, it's good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks for being our little tester. <laughs> no problem. But yeah, everybody uh, give thumbs up in the chat if you can hear them all right. We'll make sure we get that running good. Um, but um, let's go ahead. Thomas, tell us how you're uh, – I know you're in your uh, – the later split. Is this your second or third split of your season? This is our third split. We're about half. We're, I think yesterday or today might have been day 30. So uh, right about halfway through. Awesome. So, uh, you know, I know a little bit from your videos, but I'll, I'll, I'd like to hear it from <laughs> the horse's mouth, as they say. But how's your season going? Um, it's, been a, it's been a tough one. I could go into all the different struggles I've had. Um, but we just honestly have not had any – any weather to speak of here in the Atlantic Flyway. I mean, we had our, we had two days during the season that have been below freezing overnight, um, and there were, like the rest has been above freezing. So no real weather to speak of. We still had a few calendar birds. Um, they're in those spots that don't get pressured, but it's still been tough. I mean, we haven't had. I don't. I can't think of. You know, maybe about half the birds um, we're used to. So it's been it's been tough. Um, still been able to get out on some good hunts uh, just by getting mainly getting in the kayaks, doing some layout hunts. Um, but then had some troubles. Um, my car has been out of commission and lost a couple of videos because of SD card corruption. So uh, it's been rough in terms of filming. I've had, you know, uh, a decent season itself, but the whole, the whole video thing has been a, a little bit, uh, sh- shortcomings this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, that definitely can, uh, be an added element of difficulty, um, <laughs> with vehicles and SD cards and all that going on. So, um, but I've, I've been seeing, you definitely been getting into a little bit more variety here lately. Um. So yeah, you have uh, you have any more hunts kind of planned for the near future? Um, for the near future, honestly, nothing really lined up. I mean, I have kind of my three, three or four main spots, but um, they're kind of we're trying to rest them at the moment, get some new birds in them because we've hunted kind of all all of our main spots here recently. Um, some of them take a little bit shorter time to get some birds, and some of them can um be out of commission for a week or two after we hunt them, but. Uh, hoping for some weather here. Uh, really, the forecast is not looking good, so um, nothing, nothing really kind of big planned. But just going to be doing some more kind of swamp hunts here. Hopefully, picking off the few birds that are still hanging out. When's your uh, season, your uh, duck season, come to an end? I know you got Lake Goose going. We go all, we go all the way to the very first this year. Okay. Um, which is the first time I know. I know quite a few states are doing that this year because um, it was introduced this year. It used to be. They could only go to the last Saturday, and this year's the 31st. Um, and I could go into all of that, how I don't think that's going to help. But um, that's, a, that's a whole other story. 
that's uh, you know, some good updates from the Eastern Flyway. How how you doing doing with the um, the two mallard limits as well? It's it's difficult. It's different. Um, and I guess it's the first time I've really experienced it in my lifetime. Um, kind of such a drastic limit drop. So it's it's different. I I think it's more kind of the the I you know it's not actually the shooting mallards part. It's the rest of the ducks because it used to be in the past. You know we're shooting a lot of birds in our first fifteen minutes of light. That just means silhouetted ducks. So you shoot basically one big duck and you have to go pick it up. And when we're hunting in kayaks like that, I mean, if you drop a bird 20 yards down the hole to get out, you paddle your kayak out there, go grab the bird yourself, you're wasting four or five minutes. And in a 15-minute flight, um, that's really tough. So it's, it's different in terms of just being able to shoot birds. You have to kind of be on your game where you have to really know what you're shooting at, um, which, I mean, you should always know what you're shooting at, but it's, it's tough in some certain situations like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree with you on the first light thing. Um, and we have to do something similar, but it's not – as drastic you know for me it's like um early light you know we know we're shooting at mallards but you got to be careful of going past the two hens so um but for you it's just the one hen so it's like you said one big duck you got to make sure that bird isn't a a mallard hen before you shoot another silhouetted duck at first light so um, and then even on cloudy days when you've got your two mallards and you have a you know a black duck coming we had that literally happen um, two days ago, had a black duck come in and none of us shot because you're just not sure until you get some light on it to really see when that bird's silhouette is like that. Yep. Yep, no, I can definitely see that, uh, you know, being a little bit damper on the season, but, you know, you guys are pushing through and um, doing a good job out there. So, um, I think, yeah, I think it's just kind of part of the things you go through as, like, a waterfowl hunter. Like, I think, I don't know. Like I'm just young at this point, so I haven't, I haven't experienced this. I'm sure Elliot has experienced this four or five times now. He's a little bit more seasoned in terms of kind of limit drops and rises and all that. You got anything to add to that, Elliot? Oh, uh, not not really. Um, you know, it's just you gotta. I, I'm I'm curious, um, Jordan. I guess the question's for you. Do you do you let birds let stay on the water and not go pick them up immediately when you have chief, Jordan? No, I, I mean so that's what Thomas is talking about. Very Wait, rarely, not going out in the car. very rarely. I mean, we have at certain times, but I don't think it's ever been where Chief's at this stage of his hunting career where um, he can just go get them. Um, you know, there has been a couple times where, or there, there's been times where you send them out for a bird or two, and then you don't send them after. Like, let's say you drop three, um, you don't send them after the next one because you have a flock working. Um, you don't one, you don't want your dog out there getting shot at have the potential of getting shot at you always should trust everybody you're shooting you're hunting with anyway um but also you don't want them flaring the bird so there's a couple reasons why that might happen but no for the most part yeah having a dog in that situation kind of would would uh remedy remedy that um difficulty thomas do you see yourself as getting a dog once you get out of college yeah i do um but yeah i mean it's it's tough in college i think you you know it's you know it's just can't have them really in a tiny little dorm room so yeah that's kind of two or yeah, three years down the road at this point but hopefully um once i'm out of college i have my own place i'll be able to get one awesome i think everybody that duck hunts should have a dog but i'm probably biased so yeah, yeah. and i always like hunting with dogs i mean it's cool one of my buddies has one and you know we'll get him out there but he's not really trained to be in the kayak um so he doesn't he's not able to get out with us on those hunts yep well Last question. 
and you can you can pass on this one if you want don't want but um you know been seeing a little bit of a crackdown by your state on some gun laws i don't know how controversial oh uh, yeah <laughs> you got any got any thoughts on that um i just yeah it's it's stupid i mean honestly i just stay out of politics yeah um definitely not not in favor of the gun laws i wish um, everybody would just kind of stay out of everybody else's business. That's kind of my whole view on it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely a, a fan of small government and not overreaches like that, and kind of have to watch out for that kind of stuff as as hunters. Um, yeah, and it's funny how it kind of sneaks up on you. Like they like they kind of nickel and diamond on you. Like now, if you look at California, uh, talking to Titus when we were in Kansas about all the kind of the ammo laws and what they have to go through, and you don't really realize it until it's on top. You know. It becomes so restrictive that you're paying a hundred hundred extra dollars every time you purchase ammo. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but so. yeah, uh, appreciate you jumping on here for a quick bit and and doing the call with us. So uh, no problem, no problem. Always glad to always glad to be on here. Yeah, good luck out there in Virginia. Um, you guys haven't checked them out, Thomas Virginia Outdoors Unlimited, um, putting out some excellent waterfowl content. So uh, thanks for jumping on, and uh, I guess we'll I'll talk to you. Uh, sometime soon. Yep, sounds good. Good luck. All righty. Well, kind of to wrap it up, Elliot, um, I was thinking we should kind of touch on our year in review and, you know, kind of any um, kind of goals or New Year's resolutions as far as hunting and waterfowl content go. My New Year's resolution would be that there's no flood this spring and summer so that we can get <laughs> back to normal habitat. That's just put us just out of our element at this side of the state, not having any of our traditional hunting spots have birds. I mean, it's just thrown us off so, so bad. So I just want, I want to reset on the habitat around here where we can just get things back to normal. And I hear it's a wet spring supposedly, which just scares me. <laughs> well, I'll stop doing that. my, I'll stop doing my rain dance. So you should be good. Yes, please. I had one of the <laughs> local managers tell me what we really need is a drought to reset things totally. Oh, so that's crazy. But it's as far, as far as my hunting goes, I don't know what next year is going to bring. I know I'm still going to be filming hunts. Um, Georgie's going to be kicking it off September uh, first teal hunt and so i'm just right as soon as season's over i'm just gonna be putting out content on georgie vlogs and really working hard to get her where i want her to be so that's my main focus and like i said i'm still gonna be cranking out hunt videos and so i'm just gonna keep doing what we do yeah yeah no i definitely agree on that i was kind of looking back at my year this year and it's definitely you know every year that i've done the content creation and every year that i've done kind of the hunting it's kind of got bigger and better and kind of looking back on the year. I mean, I've hunted more than I ever hunted. I've killed more birds than I've ever killed. I've created more content as, as far as videos and podcasts. Um, you know, I've met a lot of people from across the country, you know, all the flyways collective we got together. That was awesome. Meeting all the other YouTubers, um, you know, and then I've traveled up to Michigan multiple times and hunted with new groups and, and seen different styles of ways people hunted we've had um swamp man kind of join the htr crew and kind of join um my crew as well going out and hunts with me um so it's just like it's been like i mean it's been a big year for me um even you know at htr it's been a better year 
um, than last year as far as kind of growing the business and all that. Um, and then, you know, got to thank you, Elliot, for joining me on, on the podcast and, and all that for all these years. You know, it's just kind of nice to have somebody that we can um, – not everybody does the podcast and YouTube stuff, so it's it's hard for other people to kind of relate to that. So, um, you know, it's definitely been a, a kind of year in review. It's been an awesome year. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. It, it's been a very unusual year um, for me as well, just because of the different, all the different people I've hunted with is very unusual, unusual. I normally stick within my little group and, and yeah. it's, it has been a good year. It's, yeah. It's been a good year. Yeah. So I would say kind of for me, man, I've like really kind of pushed myself and uh, <laughs> on kind of even the hunting and the content creation. You know, I wanted to make this year, I mean, bigger and better than the other years for sure. Um, but kind of in doing that, like kind of thinking about like what I've done and, um, you know, everything's kind of been successful. The podcast has grown. The YouTube has grown. So kind of in all those aspects, you know, it's kind of, been great um but you know it's kind of like looking at it in a different perspective and there's almost like and I, it almost sounds weird when you say it like this but there's sacrifices you make when you kind of push it that hard um and so like one thing kind of like that i have a goal is and it's not to like <laughs> hunt less like i don't want it to sound like that but there's some things that i didn't get to do that maybe i wanted to do um but in the sake of like making more content creation sometimes i feel like I have that pressure on me. Um, and it's probably self kind of pressure to do that and, and you know, mm -hmm. create more content. But I had a goal a few years back to shoot a buck with my bow. Um, and I never got around to doing that. I hunted for that one season kind of doing that. Um, so I'd like to maybe try to do that, you know, try to fit in some time to get on some deer hunts. I didn't go at all this year. Um, I'd love to shoot a buck or a doe. Honestly, I just love to shoot a, a deer with my bow kind of. Uh, get that feeling and, and see how that is. Um, you know, um, one thing I've kind of strayed away with, with the amount of time we put into just pumping out the content sometimes, um, it feels like um, doing well, – there's the kind of balance between quantity and quality. Or m maybe not. that's not even the right way to say it, but um, I want to make sure that I stay creative in the content I push out. And sometimes – like, cause that's what I enjoy about it. And sometimes I've, I've strayed away with, from that this year. Like I haven't done it at all. Kind of looking back where in previous years, I've kind of had some more creative side to my videos. So I want to try to do that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I don't know, just a few things I want to do different. Um, but then kind of, as far as being a better duck hunter, a, a few goals I have is, um, finding more spots, which I think everybody has that every year. Um, <laughs> Because like I said earlier in the podcast, I mean, you have a ton of spots, and, and I'm kind of, I feel like I'm lacking on that, and I could use, even if public land spots, just find more spots to hunt, um, keep scouting, keep trying new places, keep getting better all the time, um, and then utilize all the tools I got. You know, I don't, I didn't lay out hunt from the boat this year, which was one of my plans. Um, I've always just got to the spot and got out and hunted. So, you know, doing that, and then having the boat, getting that all figured out for next year. So, definitely got some goals. Um you know, I'd love to hit that 100 mark for ducks. I don't know if I'll ever do it, but probably be a year at some point where I do. So, anyways, that's a lot of things to kind of take in and think about. But, yeah, all in all, like I said, a great year by all accounts. So, can't complain about anything. But, yeah, 
I guess that's where I stand. Anything you want to add, Elliot? No, that was an interesting list uh, to hear you share. Um, I really haven't thought about it all that much for my goals and everything as far as content creation. And I, I think that, um, you know, you spoke to it a little bit about we only have so much time and you have to make a decision as to where you're going to put that time at. And so yeah, probably a good time that I do a little more reflecting um, about the YouTube channel and about my hunting and, 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 you know, be a little more reflective about steps that I want to make in the future towards that. Yeah. So that, that was interesting to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. And, and kind of like putting it out there, like I don't want it to come across as like negative or like, I mean, there's so much to be thankful for with what we do. And like, when I say like sacrifices and all that, like, you know, I just want to make sure I have a good life balance and um, don't push myself or feel pressured. You know, I want to be creative. I mean, I do want to push myself. I always want to push myself to do good, but I don't want to push myself too far, I guess is what I'm saying. So I want to have a good life balance. Don't want to sacrifice the things that I might regret later on, like not ever making the time to go out there and shoot a buck or like always making sure I have time to go on my salmon fishing trip, which, you know, I really enjoy, um, which isn't duck hunting, but, you know, I really enjoy doing that. And this year I'd actually planned not to, and I had my surgery. And then the weekend after that, I couldn't go and ended up going on the salmon fishing trip, which was a lot of fun. So it's like, you know, we got to make sacrifices sometimes, but also it's like have a good balance. Um, and even outside of outdoor activities, you know, with the wife and kid and all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, anything you want to add? Sorry, you kind of, kind of. No, you kind of cut out on me, and I didn't hear the last part of what you said. But I, I don't think I have anything else on that. I think that was well, well said. The parts I heard. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for everybody tuning in again. I think this is probably a good way to go ahead and end the podcast. Um, you know, twenty twenty, awesome year hopefully for all of us. So happy new years from the duck gun podcast crew to all you guys out there. Um, we really appreciate you guys. Um, just as much <laughs> this year as last year. So, um, stay tuned guys. We got some awesome guests lined up coming up in the future. Um, and it's going to be a good one. So anyways, I'm Jordan from duck gun Chronicles. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. Oh, I believe in hunting. <laughs> the wrong button there. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys on the next one.